Hi, my name is Paul Grogan and welcome to episode 40 of the all new Gaming Rules podcast. This episode is an audio version of the Games of the Month video log that went out at the start of March 2023. A big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters for helping make this podcast possible. And if you want to support the channel directly, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. And now on with the show. Hi, my name is Paul Grogan and welcome to my Games of the Month video log for February 2023. In this video, I'm going to be talking about all of the games that I've played since the last video that I did like this, which is a period of six weeks because I've staggered, uh, I've changed the way that I'm doing these videos. These videos are now going to be done at the end of the month rather than the start of the month. So this video is going to cover everything that I've played from the 19th of January right up through to the end of February. Now, I'm actually recording this on Thursday the 2nd of March, but I'm not going to cover what I did yesterday. So I'm just going to cover this video up to the end of February. Also, due to a, a series of circumstances, I'm not sure when I'm going to be able to edit this video. I might be able to edit this video tonight, which would be fantastic. But this video might not actually go out until next week. So if you're watching this video at some point in like the second week in March and you're thinking, well, hang on a minute, Paul's played lots of other games since then. Yes, you're right. But this video, as I say, is going to cover everything up to the end of February. I'm first of all going to talk about all of the games that I've played physically, in person, uh, either solo with myself or with other people. And then after that, I'm going to cover all of the games that I've been playing on Board Game Arena uh, and other online platforms, because like last month, I've been doing a lot of online gaming recently. Uh, this is going to be another bumper issue because, as I say, it is going to cover a six-week period, so make sure you sat comfortably. Um, also, I've got... Two things arriving this afternoon. So, <laughs> so at various times in this video, I might need to stop, pause, go and do something and come back. So yeah, let's, let's start talking about all of the games that I've been playing. 19th of January and the 20th of January, I played Oros, if that's how you pronounce it. I think it's Greek for mountain or something like that. I can't quite remember. This was a sponsored video. Um, Lucky Duck Games asked me to cover this game on the channel and I did and I actually learned how to play it on the 19th of January, and then I did the sponsored playthrough on the 20th of January. So the 19th of January was just me playing the game at a local games club. Uh, that wasn't streamed, obviously. I don't have a GoPro attached to my head. But the one on the 20th of January was streamed, and that's on the channel now if you're interested in learning how to play. Oros is a very pretty game, and it's one of these games which is... There's no random element to it whatsoever. It is basically a sort of abstract puzzle game, but the theme actually works. The setting of this game actually works, that you are pushing these mountains together. Um, simply put, if you've got a, a size three island and you push it into a size one island, you end up with a size four island. But the maximum size of an island is four. So if you push a three into a two, you get a four, but you also get a one volcano. It basically represents the fact that, yeah, you're pushing land together and if you push two more land together, it forms a volcano, which can then overflow and cause more land. It's a really interesting game. Um, it's, as I say, there's no random element to it. It is very much deterministic. You choose actions, but it has a very big spatial uh, awareness presence in the game. Basically, you've got to work out, oh, well, if I push that to there and then I push this to there, and you're moving multiple tiles at a time. The other clever thing with the game is it's actually taking place on a globe and the globe is represented in, in two dimensions in a very clever way, but that's the tricky part of the game, understanding what's adjacent to what, and it isn't just a case of what's on the right-hand side is adjacent to the left-hand side. The outer ring rotor is, yeah, it, it's a little bit, uh, I'm not gonna say fiddly, because it's actually really clever, and once you get it, 
it makes absolute sense and it works really well. Um, but anyway, that's Oros. It's on the channel now if you're interested in learning how to play that. I think it was a three-player game uh, and we did a tutorial video. I think I did a full teach first and then we did the playthrough afterwards and you can see how the game, how the game plays out. Also on the 19th of January, at the club, because Oros did not take all night, uh, we played a couple of rounds of Scout. Scout is a fantastic game. I've spoken about it before. Little card game, uh, and it's just really, really clever. Now, I've got the version from Oink Games, which came out, I think, Essenspiel last year, uh, but the game has been out a few years, and it's just a really clever little card game. Um, and if you didn't watch what I've said about this previously, essentially, this game is basically cards with numbers, but there's two different numbers on each card, and the theme actually works really well. I know when I was first taught how to play this game by Dan, um, he basically said, oh, the theme is irrelevant in this game. It doesn't matter. It's just numbers and everything else. And it is, but actually the theme works quite well. You're putting on this show, like a circus show, uh, and then other people have to try and beat your show by putting on a better show. And if they can't, they basically scout and take one of your cards, which is basically them seeing somebody in your show, like Trevor the trapeze artist or whatever, uh, and taking them and recruiting them for themselves. So it does actually work thematically within the game itself, but the game itself is really clever. And now I don't generally play these fun, silly card games, which are just 99% random, and there isn't actually much of a game in there. Scout is not that. Scout actually does have some choices. There is still some random element because you get the cards in your hand and you're not allowed to change the order of them, but which cards you play and which cards you collect, yeah, really like Scout. So yeah, we played a couple of rounds of Scout that evening. So also on the 20th of January, after the game of Oros in the evening, we played Revive. Now this was my third playthrough, I think, of Revive. Revive was one of the hottest games that came out at Essenspiel 2022. And potentially it was one of my favorite games. Well, no, it is one of my favorite games of 2022, but it had the potential to be my game of the year 2022, but it isn't. And I'll speak about this when I actually do my top 10 games of 2022 sometime in the summer. But there is one big problem with Revive that lets it down. And it's such a shame because if it weren't for that problem, the game might be my game of the year. I love the mechanisms of Revive. I love the way that it all plays out. I love the curve, the growth curve in the game. The fact that you start off with very simple actions, but you haven't unlocked anything in your of, of your machine on your player board. But then as the game goes on, you unlock other bits of your machine and you start building up this engine. Um, and then suddenly when you do this action, you get a bonus, but then this happens and yeah, really, really good. So the big problem with the game has been fixed by an official variant, mostly fixed, I have to say. And that video that I did on the channel was played with the official variant uh, from the designers because they took a number of uh, pieces of feedback from various players, including myself, that felt there was a bit of a balance issue. So let's try and summarize what the balance issue is. And I'm keen to see what you think about it. I know a number of people like all of these things. Some people agree with me absolutely, and some people disagree that it's a problem. So here's the, here's the situation. In Revive, each player has a faction, and that faction has a certain player power. Nothing new there. That's, that's all fairly standard stuff. However, there are four endgame scoring tiles that are chosen at random at the start of the game. And I think when you first start playing their game, there's eight to choose from. But then it's one of these games with various things that you can unlock the more you play it. 
And I think later on there's an extra one added. So you're basically choosing four of these endgame scoring tiles from ten, and it's completely random. Now, you might get lucky. For example, the first time I played it, my faction power was all about getting more cards. And one of the endgame scoring tiles that came out gave me points for getting more cards. So straight away, during setup of the game, completely randomly, I was at an advantage because my power fit with one of the endgame scoring tiles. Now, you could say that it's balanced because another player's power fit with another endgame scoring tile, but it didn't. Another player had a certain power that gave them certain bonuses, but there was no endgame scoring tile that that actually fit with because it didn't come out. It could have come out, but it didn't come out. Now, the third thing, and this is what tips it over the edge for me being a bit of a problem, and it was a problem in both my first playthrough uh, and various other people's playthroughs that I've spoken to, is each player at the start of the game gets one random artifact card, which um, basically determines how they are going to score points. And you might get really, really lucky, and you might get an artifact card that is going to score you loads of points at the end of the game for the thing that you're already doing because it's your faction power and there's an end game scoring tile. And in my first game, that's what I got. So I got the faction, which gets uh, is really good at getting extra cards. There was an end game scoring city, which gave you points for extra cards. And I had an artifact card that meant I got points for extra cards. And the combination of those three things combined meant that I won my first game very easily by a country mile. And that wasn't really due to, I mean, I think I played quite well, um, but and, and the problem that I have with it is that all of that was decided completely randomly through no player skill, no player choice whatsoever. It's basically you do the setup and straight away you're like, OK, you've got a massive advantage and you've got absolutely no, comp no nothing works for you at all. So the official variant, which I will never not use to give you a double negative, is there is one artifact card for all players. Now that doesn't completely fix the problem, but it does reduce it massively. Now there is a there is a knock-on effect by introducing that variant rule, because if everybody is using the same artifact card, then there is going to be more competition for the actual coloured artifacts. That's not a problem, okay? It doesn't make the game really that much more cutthroat. There's just a bit more of a race to getting certain artifacts because yeah, that's that's how it is. Anyway, as I say, revive. I and mean, I'll I'll speak about this in more detail. Although I've spoken about it in quite a lot of detail now, when I when I do my top ten games of the year. But mechanically, absolutely love it. And if you want to see a playthrough with that variant rule, that is on the channel right now, on the twentieth of January. Right, moving on. Twenty uh, second of January, there was a games day um, at the local Cranbrook Games Group, and I went along and I played Earth, Earth. Earth and Earth. Yes. So I played lots of games of Earth. Why did I play lots of games of Earth? Because I was learning how to play Earth because I was about to create a video. Now that video is already created. It's on the channel. It's live like a couple of weeks ago. But that was the day where I wanted to really learn how to play and really learn how to teach other people in preparation for me um, uh, doing, doing the video on how to play the game. Thankfully, Earth is a fantastic game and it's really, really good fun and everybody who played it loved it. So it was no problem whatsoever that I played it literally back to back and kept getting... Well, in fact, the second group played it a second time. So I got one group of people and we played it and then those group, that group moved on and played other games. 
Then I got a second group of people and we enjoyed that so much. I said, well, do you want to just play again? And we played again. The first game, we didn't use the ecosystem cards. We played the beginner's variant. Second game, we played with the ecosystem cards. So yeah, Earth, fantastic game. And as I said, the how to play video is on the channel now. Dice Tower have just given it like a 9.5 out of 10 in their reviews. Right now, Earth is getting a huge amount of hype. Uh, it's also available on Board Game Arena. And more about that when I talk about the games that I've played on Board Game Arena later on. Um, also at that games day, I played a game called Cursed Court. Now, I mentioned earlier on that I was taught how to play Scout by a guy called Dan. So Dan's uh, one of my friends. He lives local to me. Um, and I've learned over the years to trust Dan because every time he's taught me how to play a game, it's been really good. Now, I'm always nervous when somebody gets a game out and says, oh, I've got this game. It's a great game. Do you want to learn how to play it? Straight away, I'm really, really nervous because I know what kind of games I like and there are certain types of games that I don't like and therefore I'm always nervous when somebody gets a game out that I've never heard of. However, Dan's not let me down yet. He taught me how to play Scout, which was fantastic. And he taught me how to play Cursed Court. And as he was explaining what Cursed Court was, I thought, I'm not going to enjoy this. This is a game that I'm really not going to enjoy uh, because it has an element of bluffing and bidding and something else. Anyway, I gave it a go because everybody else was keen and it was excellent. It was very, very good. Now, this is not a game I've ever heard of and I'm curious to see what you think. Have you ever heard of a game called Cursed Court and have you played it? Because it did play out really well. Now, bearing in mind, this is five weeks ago. So my memory is a little bit hazy on what happened that day but I do remember the game was excellent. I'll put a picture of it on screen now because I did take a photo of it being played. All I remember is that you're bidding, you've got a certain amount of these chips and you're bidding with these chips on particular spaces on the board and you can outbid somebody and their chips go back to them and whatever. And you're bidding on certain characters which may not be in the, may or may not be in the game and, you, and, and if they are, then you get certain points. It's just really clever. And whilst that, style of game might not be my particular preference of game. It wasn't that I just put up playing it. All the way through it, I was thinking, this is this is very, very clever. And the reason why I enjoyed it is because if a game is a well-designed game, I, I can appreciate it more from a professional point of view. It kind of doesn't matter whether it's my kind of game or I'm really enjoying it or I'm very good at it but I can respect the design. And this game was very, very cleverly designed. I just thought the way that it worked uh, mechanically was, was brilliant. So yeah, that's Cursed Court. Next up, 27th of January, we did, um, we did a Cult of the Old Day. So for those people who don't know, every so often, in order to combat the constant Cult of the New that most content creators do, most content creators I know they're always just covering the new stuff. They never cover anything old. Um, so every so often I will do a cult of the old day and my patron supporters generally vote on which game gets played. And on the 27th of January, and this is on the channel now, if you want to go and see it, we played Taj Mahal. Taj Mahal from Reiner Knizia. I've got the Alia version. It's 22 years old. The board is broken in two. Uh, Taj Mahal has actually been republished a couple of times over the last 20 years. So it's not like some of the really old games which have not had a, a republisher or anything like that um, but I've got the original version I've got the German version I don't even have the English rule book for it um, but Taj Mahal I've not played it in a long long time I've probably not played it in over 10 years maybe even longer 
and it was really good to go back to it. We played a five-player game of it. Like I said, it's on the channel now if you want to go and see it. My opinion on Taj Mahal is it's fantastic. Now, Taj Mahal is an old-school Euro, and over the last year or so, I've become more aware that there are a lot of old-school Euros from 15, 20 years ago, which are absolutely solid games. Really, really solid, great games, but they're not actually complex. And I think what... And I, I don't want to go too much off, off a tangent now, um, but the way the industry has gone in the last five or so years is... With Kickstarter, everybody's putting in bling, everybody's putting in extra. Oh, what can we do to make this game special? And I understand that. I understand designers need to do something different to make the game special. But then you go back and play games like Taj Mahal and you think, this is just amazing. But if somebody came up with the design of Taj Mahal now, I don't think it would actually do that well. I don't think people, the, the general people who play games now, if Taj Mahal came out and it was on Kickstarter or whatever, or it came out of retail. I think most people just would ignore it. Um, whereas, yeah, it, it's a fantastic game. I, I remember loving it when I first played it 20 odd years ago, and I remember playing it loads, and I remember it really, really being one of my favorite Rhino Kennedy games. And that five player game that we did just reaffirmed that for me. So yeah, Taj Mahal on the channel if you're interested about it, in seeing it. And then that later that day, we played Atiwa. That was my second game of Atiwa, I think. Um, the new Uwe Rosenberg from Essen Spiel 2022, which I had played once in, I think, November uh, last year. Um, but I, I really wanted to play it again. And having now played it twice, and I've also played it solo on the 9th of February and the 8th of February. So yeah, I played at it with three times in the last six weeks. Uh, two of them have been solo plays. One of them was a multiplayer game. I really like Atiwa. Atiwa... I can see what some people might think. Some people might go, oh, it's another Uwe Rosenberg game where you're farming and you're growing your people and you've got to feed them. Oh, they're all just the same. They're not. Now, I say they're not. That's coming from somebody who thinks every single Stefan Feld game is different, whereas a lot of people think they're all exactly the same. So, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm more tolerant of that kind of thing. I really like Atua. Atua has replaced... Um, replaced is, is is probably the wrong word to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, Nussfjord. It fits into the same spot. Now, I'm not saying it's replaced it as in, I will never play Nussfjord again, because I still quite like Nussfjord, but it fits into that same weight category, but I think I prefer Atua. I like the idea of Atua. I like the way that the thematic integration works. It is a little unusual if you don't understand it. You're thinking, well, hang on a minute. We're sending bats off into the night and suddenly a tree grows. How does that work? Well, if you read the... The booklet that comes with it, you'll you'll understand all about bat poo and everything else. Um, yeah, it does work. Um, but it's a, it's a really clever game. So skipping forward a little bit, 8th and 9th of February, I played Atua Solo. Now, the first of those is on the channel now. If you want to see a solo playthrough of Atua, that is on my channel on the 8th. And then I did a bonus playthrough on the 9th for patrons only. So if you're a patron supporter of mine, you get access to the bonus playthrough that I did. Basically... I played the game on the 8th and then I left it set up and I woke up on the 9th and rather than do the work that I should have been doing, I decided to do another solo playthrough of Atua because I enjoyed it so much. And I would have happily, if I didn't have work on that day, taken the entire day off and just played Atua solo all day long. Um, really, really enjoyed it. Now, I do have one 
thing that I need to say about the Atua Solo rules, and it's a little bit of a quirk, and I'm already house ruling it. And this is, and I'm interested to see what you think about it. If you've played the Atua game solo, let me know what you think. But in Atua, four terrain cards are dealt out at the start of each round. And in the multiplayer game, uh, any that are not taken disappear, and then you get four new ones at the start of the round. That's fairly normal rules. In the solo game, that doesn't happen. So if you go to a location and you take the terrain card, a new one will come out next round. But the ones that you don't take stay there. Now, personally, and I'm, and I'm waiting to hear back from Lookout Games about this, personally, I, I think that's either an error in the design or a mistake in the rulebook because I cannot understand for the life of me why the rule would be the the cards that come out, you're stuck with them. Because if you get cards that come out that are not good for you, then you're stuck with them. And there's a lot of other solo games at the moment, like um, Ark Nova, where there is a variant rule for the solo game to clear the row faster. The solo, vari the solo rules for Dune Imperium, I believe with the expansion, had a way that you could clear the offer. So over the last couple of years, a lot of solo modes have been having to add rules, have rules added to them in order to clear the display of cards so that as a solo player, you've got a little bit more control. You're not just stuck with what you've got because in a solo game, when you're only seeing a few cards, you can be lucky or unlucky based on what comes out. And I, and I can't understand that. So my house rule for it would simply be you clear the cards at the end of the round and replace them with four new ones. If there's a card there that you really want, go get it. You know, this is your one chance to take it. Other than that, my only other problem with the Atua solo is it's 120 points to win and nobody I know has scored 120 points. Um, it seems bonkers hard, but there are also these challenges on the back page, but the challenges are even harder than scoring 120 points and nobody I know has done that. So either we're all rubbish at the game uh, or they've set the difficulty too high, but it doesn't matter because the game's thoroughly enjoyable and even if you don't score 120, you just try and score what you can. So yeah, that's Atua. Really, really enjoy it. And as I say, there's a multiplayer video on the channel and there's a solo playthrough on the channel as well. Right, next up, the 3rd and the 4th of February, I played a game called Sky Tear Horde. And it's tear as in rip, not tear. So it's not Sky Tear Horde, it's Sky Tear Horde. This is a card game that's based on the board game Sky Tear. Uh, and the publisher asked me, uh, this was a sponsored video, um, but he approached me about it and he said, we've got, got this card game, have a look at it. And the, the card game is exactly my kind of card game. I really like this, this kind of card game. Basically, it's a one, two or three player game. We'll get onto the three player game in a minute, but the, the one player game is where you're, you've got a deck of cards and you're battling this horde of monsters that's arriving and you've got to fight them off and you've got to close a portal. I like that kind of game. I really like that kind of game. Um, and a lot of these games are very similar. You have mana, you have to spend mana to play cards, but there's always something about them that makes them a little unique. The two-player game of Sky Tear Horde is a cooperative game. So it's the same idea, and you're battling against these monsters and you're trying to close the portals, etc., etc. The three-player game, which I've not tried yet, somebody else plays the bad guys. So I'm keen to try that mode, but I haven't done it. Anyway, 
I did a practice game and then I've done a playthrough on the channel. And a little bit, a bit like Atua, I did a public playthrough, which is on the channel now. If you want to see how the solo game of Skytear Horde plays, that's on the channel. But then the next day, I did a bonus playthrough for Patreon supporters, uh, where I played one of the different factions and I got quite a few rules wrong. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it and want to play it more. And I can tell you now, I can announce that the designer and publisher has contacted me and they've got a new expansion for the game coming out uh, and it's going to be going on to Kickstarter and I'm arranging with them to play a two-player game of it over Tabletop Simulator. Um, I know a lot of people don't like Tabletop Simulator playthroughs, but they aren't in a position to be able to print out the cards and send them to me, uh, whereas they've got the, the virtual mod for the game in TTS. So that's going to be coming to the channel soon. I can't remember exactly when. I've got it booked into the calendar. Um, and they've also asked me to help with the new version of the rulebook because there was there were a lot of queries about how certain card powers work. So if you're a fan of the game, expect more coming soon. Not just an expansion with more content, but an updated rulebook, revised rules and everything else. And if you weren't interested before, maybe wait until the next version comes out. Next up, on the 8th of February, a game I can't really talk that, that much about, but it's a game called Perspectives. You won't find it on BoardGameGeek. Well, actually, you will. There is a game on BoardGameGeek called Perspectives. It's not that one. It's called Perspectives. Uh, it's coming from Space Cowboys, and I can't say too much about it, but I tested it on the 8th of February. Right, next up. 8th and 9th of February did the Atua playthrough, which I've mentioned. 9th of February, I, played, I started playing Frostpunk. Now, Frostpunk... Possibly my favourite game of 2022. If, if not my number one game of 2022, it's my number two game of 2022. I'm not 100% sure yet. It's between that and Carnegie. Although Lacrimosa is really good as well. Um, but I'm re I, I've been getting really frustrated. For the last... I mean, this was well. This was the 9th of February. So, in fact, for the whole of January, the frustration started to build in me about Frostpunk and Hoplomarchus Victorum, I really want to play these games, like, a lot more. And I just don't have time. But one of the problems with Frostpunk is that it's an hour for me to set up, and then it'll take me probably four, five, six hours to play. So even if I have an evening free, where I have a couple of hours free, I can't just get it out and set it up, because the next day I need the studio for something else. So I'm in this constant cycle where I want to play it, but I don't have that amount of time to play it. Sure, I could set it up on another table downstairs and, and go back and do it, but I want to do these things as playthroughs on the channel. So I came up with an idea. And this seems a really, really unusual thing to do, considering I have the physical game of Frostpunk, is I played it on Tabletop Simulator. And this was stream. This was a Patreon-only stream. But I basically started playing through it on Tabletop Simulator because after a couple of hours, I can save the game and come back to it later on. Now, I've still not come back to it. I completely forgot about it. Um, but yeah, I've started playing a game of Frostpunk and I want to finish it. I probably won't finish it this weekend, but maybe next week I'll go back to the playthrough. Now, these playthrough that, that playthrough is not going to be made public because it is a very informal... I think I was eating ice cream at the same time. But interestingly, what I did is... Although I was playing the version of the game on Tabletop Simulator, I had the physical generator near me. So at the point where I needed to drop cubes into the generator, I was doing that physically and then representing it in the Tabletop Simulator mod. But it was a, it's a really unusual thing for me to have a physical game and put that to one side and play the, the online version instead. But anyway, I did. 
Next up, on the 10th of February, another two playthroughs on the channel. And this was another day where uh, neither of these games were sponsored, so I took the day off work and we played Fayum in the afternoon and then Agricola in the evening. So, first of all, Fayum. Fayum is a game from two or three years ago, designed by Friedman Frieser, published by 2F Spieler, um, and I only played it once. And I played it with Aldi from Board Game Geek, and we played it over Tabletop Simulator because it was COVID was happening, so it was during lockdown. And I really liked it. And for the last two years, I've been wanting to go back to it and try it again, and I finally did. So on the 10th of February, and this is on the channel now if you want to watch it, there is a five-player playthrough of Fayum, uh, which is a game where you are playing cards to take particular actions, but the cards go in your discard pile, and every time you play a card, it goes in your discard pile, and you keep putting cards in your discard pile. You can buy new cards, and then when you rest, you get the top three cards back of your discard pile, but you have to pay to get more back. It's a very, very clever deck-building, hand-management kind of game. It's just really, really clever. Friedman Frieser is an absolute genius, and he comes up with these really quirky ideas. Uh, and Fame was really clever. Now, it, the game wasn't that popular, and I know a lot of people had criticisms of it. Um, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, I'm really glad that I played that one again. It has a solo mode. I'd like to try that at some point, but yeah, really good game. And then in the evening, Agricola. Now, you could say that Agricola was the cult of the old playthrough because it's a 15-year-old game, but I got the 15th anniversary edition from Lookout Games at Essence Spiel. Thank you very much to Lookout Games, not just for Attua, but also for the Agricola 15th anniversary edition. And let's just remind ourselves of what Paul has been saying about Agricola for the last three years. Cue montage of old footage of me. I will never play Agricola again, said Paul. Um, I have Caverna now. Caverna is a much, much better game. Why would I ever play Agricola when I have Caverna? And various other things. I've spent the last three years saying, I can't see me ever playing Agricola ever again because I've got Caverna and Caverna is a much, much more enjoyable game. For me, you know, I still think Caverna is the better game. I know lots of people disagree. I know lots of people think Agricola is the better game. And I know Agricola's got the cards and added variability. But for me, I still think Caverna is the better game and it's far more enjoyable. However, I used to play Agricola a lot. And I was there when Agricola came out. The, the Agricola revolution, which changed the face of board gaming... I, th I think Agricola was was one of the groundbreaking games that really transformed our hobby and what people wanted and all of that kind of thing. And I was there when it came out. The first version that I bought of Agricola was German only because it didn't it wasn't in English. It was only the next year when it came out in English. But I bought the German version with 300 cards with German text on and then put them in sleeves and did paste ups and helped translate them and everything else. Just to and I played the game loads. Absolutely loads. So, when the 15th anniversary edition was announced, I was like, maybe it's time to go back to it and see. And I'm glad I did. Because having played that on the 10th of February again, and playing a few games of it on Board Game Arena, I actually really did enjoy it. Um, I'm not changing my mind on which is the better game, because I still think Agricola has some of the issues that I had with it before. I think it's it's too tight, it's too punishing, 
Um, now, we did play with the variant tile, which means there is an additional space for family growth. I will never not play... I've done it again. I will never not play with that tile because I think one of my biggest issues with, uh, with Agricola is growing your family is so massively important and you can spend the entire game planning for it and getting the right things in the right place and getting the things and building the extra room and everything else. But then you're not the first player and somebody else has done family growth and you're like, oh. So there's an extra tile, which is there's an extra family growth space, I think from round five onwards. And it just loosens the game up a little bit and makes the game just a little bit more enjoyable and less punishing. So yeah, really enjoyed that and would definitely play it again now. So I can see that there is a place, Agricola, Caverna, definitely a place for both. Still prefer Caverna, but yeah, Agricola was really good. And I'm really glad that I went back to it. Next up, on the 16th of February. Oh yes, the 16th of February. I remember it well. So 16th of February and the 17th of February, I played Dice Manor a total of three times. Now, the first game of it was on the 16th of February, which was, again, at the Cranbrook Games Group, where I was learning the game, because on the Friday, I did a live playthrough, and that is on the channel now. If you are interested in learning how to play Dice Manor from Arcane Wonders, check it out on the channel. It's like a 45-60 minute game. It took us an hour and a half, because we were having fun, we were chatting, and I was explaining the rules, but it is a 45-60 minute game, and we all really enjoyed it. So, yeah, I, d I don't know what more I can say about Dice Manor. Other than that, I'll be honest with you now. I will be honest with you. And I don't know if Robert from Arcane Wonders is ever going to watch this video, but here's the thing. I like Robert. We've known each other for years. I knew him before he started working at Arcane Wonders. And he knows what I do on the channel. And he's happy to support me uh, by sponsoring some of the playthrough videos that I do. And that's great. We have a professional relationship where I do work for him and I send him a bill and he pays the bill but we were we, we knew each other before that we were friends before that so when he says Paul I've got a couple of games that I'd like you to cover on the channel and I'm happy to sponsor the videos and I go okay and, and, and I said yes to Dice Manor without going through my normal process of let me just have a look at this game and see if it's a good fit for me and the channel first. I didn't do that. I just said yes. I said yes to Mobile Markets and to, to Dice Manor. And I'd already had a look at Mobile Markets and I, and I thought it was a good fit for the channel. Dice Manor, I said yes to it and I didn't actually really look at it in more detail. And then when I did look at it, I went, uh-oh, I don't think this is going to be that this looks like a bit of a, a light throwaway game that probably doesn't have much depth. And I don't think this is going to be a good fit for my channel. And I started thinking, oh, I feel bad. I, I, you know, I was going through this whole internal process of, oh, I feel really bad because I've said I'll do it. And of course I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to... Oh. Anyway, played it, fantastic, right? And it just shows you how wrong you can be by, what's the phrase? Judging a book by its cover. Yeah, there you go. Judging, <laughs> now there's nothing wrong with the box cover for Dice Manor, but I don't know, it was just this initial impression. If, if a random publisher had contacted me and said, Paul, we've got a game called Dice Manor. Here's some images of the game. Would you like to cover it on the channel? I would have said no. 
I would have taken one look at those images and said no. And I'm glad that I didn't because it's a really, really good game. Everybody who played it with me on the Thursday night enjoyed it. We played it on the Friday. We played it twice on the Friday and everybody enjoyed it. And this is the thing. Games don't have to be overwrought with complication and too many mechanisms. And Dice Manor is pretty light and pretty simple, but it's just it just works. It just works really, really well. You're kind of bidding on these places to get these things with the dice, but you can also, yeah, watch the video. That's all I can say. Just go and watch the video. Even if you just watch the first 15 minutes of it, Dice Manor, playthrough on the channel, 17th of February. It's on YouTube now. Go and, go and check it out. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it. There you go. I've let you into a bit of uh, what goes on in my head about these things. Anyway, also on the 6th, so going back to the 16th of February, I went to the games club and we played Dice Manor. Now, Dice Manor didn't take all night. In fact, it was fairly short. It only took about an hour. So we were like, okay, I've brought some other games with me. We've got time for another game. What should we play? And it was only like eight o'clock or half seven. So we played Flamecraft. Now, Flamecraft, I'd only played a couple of times when I covered it for Lucky Duck Games at the end of last year. And I've been keen to play it again because I did enjoy Flamecraft a lot more than I thought I was going to. So we got Flamecraft out and we played Flamecraft a second time. My opinion of Flamecraft has not changed. It is still... the Flamecraft is much better than I thought it was going to be because I thought Flamecraft was going to be a family game. I don't think it is a family game. I think it's a family plus game. I don't think Flamecraft is a game that you would want to play with your family when they hadn't played games before, but I would definitely play it with families who've played a couple of games. Um, but it's really good. I really enjoy Flamecraft. Um, and yeah, and it, it's quick. You know, Flamecraft, it took us about an hour and we finished it. So yeah, Flamecraft was really good. So Dice Manor was really good. Flamecraft was really good. Then we played Scout. We played a couple of rounds of Scout, which is, again, all really good. Had a really good night. And then, after the club, Rick came here and we played June Imperium, two-player. Now, that is uh, that was a Patreon-only bonus stream because, uh, it, again, it was very informal. It was late at night. And the idea was that Rick would come over and we'd have a quick two-player game of June Imperium and then we'd finish at, like, half 11 or whatever and he'd go home and I'd go to bed. Yeah. We were still playing at one o'clock. Um, <laughs> Vicky was in the other room trying to sleep. Uh, and there was us playing Jude Imperium. And then, because I'd had such a good day, that was a fantastic day. Dice Manor was brilliant. Scout was brilliant. Flamecraft was brilliant. Jude Imperium was brilliant. I then didn't get to sleep till four o'clock because I was just buzzing from too much fun. Jude Imperium is an absolutely fantastic game. And I have only played it twice. I've played it once four player and once two player. I've won both of my games. That's not why I think it's fantastic. I don't have my own copy of it yet. I will be sorting that out later this year, cross fingers. But June Imperium, I mean, what can I say about the game that everybody else hasn't already said about it? It is a modern classic. I think it is just such a good game. Um, whether I prefer it to Lotharoons of Arnak, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm really not sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's very, very good. So yeah, so that was the 16th of February. Right, moving on to the 17th of February. I've talked about the Dice Manor games. We played Dice Manor twice. Then we played So Clover. So we played Dice Manor in the afternoon. And then we had a couple of games of So Clover, uh, which is always fantastic. And then we played Lacrimosa. 
Now, Lacrimosa is another game that came out at Essen 2022 that I played once that I've been eager to play again. And I'm glad I did. So this has actually been a really good month in terms of going back and playing these games a second time. Atiwa, uh, Lacrimosa, Revive. Yeah, all of these games. I've gone back and played them a second or third time. Because otherwise, it's so easy to get into the... The new games come out at Essen. I play them once. I cover them on the channel. Then I move on. What's next? Next best thing. Next best thing. Next best thing. Like, no, I'm, I'm sick of that. I want to just play these games at least two or three times each because one play is just not enough. Anyway, Lacrimosa is so good. It is so, so good. Devere have absolutely hit it out of the park again. Uh, they did it last year. The, sorry, they did it in 2021 with Bitoku and Lacrimosa is an extremely good game. Now, the rulebook is not great, but the Bitoku rulebook was not great. Devere do need a bit of help with their rulebooks, but the game itself is just so well-designed and so good. Is there any theme in there? Maybe a little bit, but mechanically, extremely good. Lacrimosa is in contention for my Game of the Year 2022 Probably won't get there. I think Carnegie and Frostpunk could probably probably beat it, but it's it's probably going to be number three. It's very, very good is Lacrimosa. Uh, and that's on the channel now. If you're interested in seeing a four-player playthrough of Lacrimosa, I've actually got two of them on the channel. The first one was from sort of the end of last year, uh, and then I did another one a couple of weeks ago. Right, next up, on Sunday, the 19th of February, and this isn't on the channel... Uh, we played Mortem Medieval Detective. This is from Arcane Wonders. This is a game that I picked up uh, Essen 2021 and never got round to playing until now. So we're playing this remotely. Uh, me and Vicky are playing it with Rick and Victoria uh, and we're playing it remotely. They don't have a copy of the game. So what we're doing is we're actually streaming uh, my camera and we're zooming in on the card so that they can read them. Um, now, I've heard good things about this game, and it ticks all of the boxes for games that we enjoy. Basically, uh, both of us, eight others, me and Vicky and Rick and Victoria, we like the Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detectives, and we played them together remotely uh, for the last couple of years. And this is another detective-style game where you're moving around, talking to people, trying to put together pieces of the puzzle, work out what's going on, etc., etc. But... It's very much like Detective. So Detective is a game from Portal Games, which is a little bit like Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, but with more rules to it and more structure. And I, I bounced off Detective quite hard. After an initial liking the first or two episodes of it, I then went on to really not enjoy Detective because I think it has... <sighs> It's not a flaw, it's a style of game which marketing will tell you one thing and me will tell you something else. And Mortem Medieval Detective shares some similarities with this. And let me try and explain what I mean. Um, you go to locations and you go to a particular location and you take a particular card and you read the particular card and then it will say on the card... If you have such and such a token, you can spend it to flip this card over and get some extra information. That sounds cool, doesn't it? Yeah, that sounds like a really cool thing. 
And that's what the marketing team will tell you. Oh, it's really cool. And you've got to make these really hard decisions about where you want to spend your time in. But yeah, it's completely random. So literally you get a card and you're reading it and you get some information. And then it says, if you spend this token, you can flip the card over. You've literally no idea whether it's good or bad. It's completely and utterly random. So you're like, well, okay, well, there might be some really crucial information on the other side. And if we don't spend the token, we don't get that information. But if we do spend the token and we flip it over, it might just say, you search through the drawers of the filing cabinet and you don't find anything useful. Literally, it's like that. So I'm sorry, the tension's there, the stress is there of where do you spend your stuff, but it's completely random what you get. Anyway, that was detective. This is Mortem medieval detective. So it's set in a different, uh, it's a sort of fantasy medieval universe, but it had something a little bit similar with you choose which characters you want in the party. And it's, it's a bit weird that you get three characters, no matter how many players you are, you get three characters, and those characters give you a certain amount of tokens and you can spend those tokens to do certain things. So as soon as we started learning how to play, I was already a bit worried because I was thinking, uh-oh, is it going to be something similar? Now, it was similar in a way, but in other ways not. And one thing that was cool about this is that you could actually send one of these characters off to go and like, you go and keep an eye on that. And what you did is you put a token on a particular location on the board and then in three units of time, you would take that token off and you'd take a card. So they're like surveilling a house or something for three hours. And then in three hours time, you find out what that is. That was that was quite cool. The one issue that I did have with Morton Medieval Detective, which I also had with Detective, and I'm curious to see what you think if you've played either of these games, is the fact that in, in Detective, you're supposed to be like these really, really tough investigators from these crack unit and everything else. But if you work beyond five o'clock, you get stressed. What? So you've got this really serious crime that you're investigating and there's a terrorist plot and everything else. Oh yeah, no, it's five o'clock. Got to go in, mate. I can't, I can't work beyond five. I get, I get stressed out. I start losing points. Nonsense, right? It just it breaks, absolutely breaks the theme. And Morton Medieval Detective had something a little bit similar in that if you carried on playing until six o'clock in the evening, then when you did go to sleep, you had to work out how fatigued you were. I'm sorry, but you know, I, I don't go to bed at six o'clock, <laughs> you know? And it's just, it, it just sort of broke a bit of the immersion. It's like, why can we not just like carry on investigating till seven, eight, nine, ten? 10? I can understand if you're still going on past midnight, then you're gonna be fatigued from not getting enough sleep, but not six o'clock in the evening. Um, but anyway, we played scenario one. Scenario one was the tutorial. It's only supposed to take about an hour. It took us two hours. Um, but that's because we were taking our time with it. But we all enjoyed it enough that we're going to play Scenario 2 another time. Um, has anybody played Morton Medieval Detective? Let me know if you have. Let me know what your thoughts are on it. Next up, uh, Hegemony or Hegemony. I still don't know how you pronounce it. I probably should ask the designers. So, Hegemony. Uh, let's talk a bit about this. I am covering this game on Saturday. So, I, as I mentioned at the start, I don't know when I'm going to get a chance to edit this video log. This video log is unlikely to go out before Saturday, which means this video log is going to go out after my Hegemony playthrough. I'm going to say Hegemony for now. Tell me if I'm wrong. 
So this coming Saturday at one o'clock in the afternoon, I am doing a live tutorial and playthrough of Hegemony. It's going to be about a five hour game, four or five hour game, probably five hour with the tutorial. Um, and we're really looking forward to playing it. But that's this Saturday. But the reason why I'm going to talk about it now is that I've been practicing for this Saturday because this Saturday's playthrough is sponsored by the publisher. Uh, and therefore I need to learn the game and I need to practice it. And I've done that by playing two full games of it. First of all, uh, last weekend and then the weekend before. Those were bonus streams for patron supporters. So if you're a patron supporter of mine, you have access to those videos, which was basically a behind the scenes video of me practicing, learning and teaching how to play hegemony. hegemony. Um, but the actual video is this coming Saturday. And as I said, by the time this video log comes out, it's already on the channel, probably. So go and check it out. Um, what can I say about it? Bearing in mind, this is a sponsored video. But I will give you my honest opinion now. And I've been thinking about this this morning. And I'm not one of those people who says things that are quote worthy. You look at these Kickstarter campaigns and you see, oh, here's a quote from such and such a content creator. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's an There's never any for me on there because I'm not the kind of person that's good at thinking of things to say. I'm also, I don't go in for the whole hype. I just, I just say it like it is. You know, I teach you how to play a game and I'll show you how it's played. I don't create videos in order to generate marketing hype to get you to buy the game. Now, the publishers see that that's what I do and they pay me to create the videos in order to do that. But that's not the why, that's not the reason I do them. I create the videos to show you how they are played so that then you can make a decision about whether you want to buy it yourself. I'm not there to come up with these snazzy one-liners that can be used for marketing speak. But anyway, going back to hegemony, I've actually thought of one, which I think is, is good. So every year, hundreds of games come out. Some of those games are great, some of, but, it, but it, takes, it takes a lot for a game to be special. And we've had this, and I, I've had this discussion with people over the last five years. So many games are coming out constantly just an influx of new games every week every month whatever new games all the time and a lot of them are great games but what makes them special and hegemony is that it's different i don't have another game in my collection that's like it so i think it's fantastic i think it is a very good game now bear in mind the theme isn't for everybody. It's about socio-economic politics. Um, it's also a four or five hour game. And it's also four, four player and it's asymmetric with different rules for different players and everything else. But everybody I've played it with is fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to it. And I've got huge amount of respect for the designers and the way that they've published this game and just done it. So yeah, I am so glad that I uh, said yeah, because I was originally going to do a video for this. But then I think lost track of the emails and it wasn't going to happen. And then I looked into it again and I said, oh yeah, I definitely want to do it. And I was like, do I really want to do it? It looks like really heavy and complex. And then I got it and I was like, oh my God, this is fantastic. Yeah. So check that out. If you're a patron supporter of mine, you've got access to the two behind the scenes videos. But to be honest, if you haven't watched them, don't bother watching them now. They were there for those people who wanted to see us learning the game. The one you want to watch is the one that's happening this Saturday, the 5th of March. Is it the 5th of March? What day is it today? Second. 3rd, 4th, no, the 4th of March, 
Saturday the 4th of March, 1pm. If you don't watch it live, it'll be there later. Uh, and we're really looking forward to it. Right, finally, not finally, 22nd, I tested a new game from Space Cowboys that I can't even tell you the name of, but I really want to. Me and Vicky played it. It's really good. It's a Family Plus game. It'll be coming out later this year. It's really good, and I'll talk about it as soon as I can. Finally, on the 24th of February, Hybris Disordered Cosmos. Now, many of you will know that I no longer work as a rulebook writer and editor. I, I gave that up, uh, and although I still do rulebook consultancy now, I no longer do the writing and the editing of rulebooks. Um, and there's various reasons for that, but one of the ones that I did um, near the end, before I sort of finished, was Hybris Disordered Cosmos. Now, this is a game. Um, it's very much a passion project from a designer who, I'll be honest with you, I've got to know over the last three years. We've become friends. We chat a lot. Um, and I've, I've been involved in this game professionally. I spent literally months and months and months working on the rule books for this game because there's the game, there's four expansion sets, there's a whole bunch of extra stuff, there's variant play modes, there was there was a whole bunch of everything. It was a massive, massive game. But this is very much a passion project from a designer. It's very much under the radar. A lot of people don't know about this game. French publisher, Aurora Game Studios, um, who commissioned me to help with the rule books and everything else. The video that I did, it's on the channel now. 24th of February, Friday the 24th of February, it's on the channel. That was not sponsored. I did that video because after the, the year, year and a half of working on the rule book, the game has finally come out. And I was so happy for the designer, because as I say, it was very much a passion project. And he went through a lot of personal sacrifices to get the game out to people. And he finally got the game out to people and it looks amazing. And I thought, look, I'm gonna cover it on the channel and I took the whole day off work and I learned how to play the game. In fact, I started learning how to play on the Thursday and then I spent all of Friday learning how to play the game, setting it up, practicing it and everything else. And then we did the video on the Friday. Um, and I didn't get paid for any of that. I did it because I wanted to do it and I wanted to support the designer um, and to see where all of that hard work has gone into. You'll have to make your own mind up on the video. There are definitely parts of Hybris which were very good. I thought the, uh, the the combat mechanism between the players using the card play was really clever and that really worked very well. Uh, I thought the overall gameplay was interesting and, and everything that you do. My concern is, and I think this is a symptom of possibly it being a passion project of maybe just the one designer, is the game has a bit too much going on. And there are certain parts of it which are a little bit too complex and maybe could have been brought back in a little bit to make it a little bit more streamlined. Um, certainly not everybody who played it with me on that day enjoyed it, um, which is unusual because a lot of the games at the moment everybody's enjoying. But I've spoken to other people about this game and certainly a lot of people in France are getting it and playing it and loving it and I'm active on the Discord channel. So... For those people who get this game and are playing it and who are really enjoying it, that's fantastic. Really good. Unfortunately, there were a few errors in the rulebook and I hold my hand up. That's that's on me and I'm shocked and surprised as to how I'm spotting these errors in the rulebook now and I didn't for the year that I worked on it. Now, the rulebook was in a state of flux, but there are certain errors in there. There's a couple of typos in there and I'm like, 
that's shocking. So um, I've said to the designer that I will help him do a new version of the rulebook and we'll publish some FAQ and some errata and things like that. And I'm not going to charge him for that because that was on me. Anyway, that's Hybris Disordered Cosmos playthroughs on the channel now. And I think that is it. I mean, is that is that it? Have I played anything else? I mean, I played a game last night, but that doesn't count. That's going to be covered in next month's video log. If I've forgotten anything, I'll, I'll talk about it next month. Right, online games. So games that I have played using Board Game Arena or digital apps or, or whatever. And I'm not going to cover these in much time. Uh, not going to spend too long on them. Through the ages, I've played about four or five games of it solo and I've played one multiplayer. The multiplayer game was close until about two thirds of the way through and then I started to get the advantage. And then as we went into the last 20% of the game, I thought, yeah, I've got this. And, and I did win quite, quite convincingly. Um, but it was it was a it was a good game. It was a it was a tough game. Um, but yeah, still playing through the ages a lot on the app, and it's fantastic. Splendor, I've played that, and I've got my first win of Splendor ever. So I played that on Board Game Arena, and I finally got my first win. Space Base, I won that as well. Um, that's not my first win of Space Base, but yeah, Space Base, great implementation on Board Game Arena. Castles of Burgundy, played a couple of games of that um, for sale. I played another game of that. Caverna, another game of that. Uh, Carnegie, uh, we're playing the tournament at the moment, so uh, Brett has organised a Carnegie tournament on Board Game Arena for my patron supporters. And if you are a patron supporter and you're not active on the Slack channel, that's a, and that's another reason to be on the Slack channel, because that's where these tournaments get advertised. Um, so yeah, I, play, I finished my round two game, I won my game in round one, and I think I came third in my game in round two. Didn't do so well. I tried, an, I tried a different strategy and it didn't work at all. We've just started game three and I'm going to try another different strategy. Earth on Board Game Arena. I played six times. <laughs> a combination of solo and multiplayer. The interface is fantastic. So if you're not sure about Earth, it's on Board Game Arena now. Uh, it might be in beta, so you might not have access to it unless you're a premium member. I played a game of Anachrony as well. Anachrony is in beta on Board Game Arena. Really good implementation. Works really well. And I've played a couple of games of No Thanks. So that's all of the games that I've played in the last sort of six weeks. Let me know which of those you've played, which is your favorite, or let me know if there's a game that I've talked about which you're gonna, which you're interested in, based on the fact that I've talked about it. Right, moving on, next up. The doorbell's not gone yet, so I can carry on talking. Patreon update, let's give you a, an update on the Patreon. So overall, January was a good month. Um, I did lose a lot of people again due to Patreon's failure to inform people that their card has expired. This is the big problem with Patreon that I go on about every month and I'm going to go on about it now. If you're a Patreon supporter of my, me or anybody else and your credit card expires and Patreon is unable to take the funds from your account, most of the time it doesn't tell you. So every month I lose 20 to 25 people whose basically their cards have just expired. They don't get told about it and they go into a decline state. And every so often I pluck up the courage to contact them and say, look, I hope you don't mind me contacting you, but just to let you know your card's expired. And most of them say, oh yeah, I didn't realize and Patreon didn't tell me about it. So I, I lose a lot of people every month. Uh, and whilst it might sound great that, oh, Paul's gained 17 new supporters this month. Fantastic. That sounds brilliant. Yeah, but actually I lost 20 due to retreat, which is a number that doesn't really show up. Um, but anyway, right now, as of today, we are at 912 supporters. 
which is 13 down than where we were a few days ago because we've had the change of the month. So actually, I've only lost 13 this month. That's okay. Um, but 912 is nine up since the last monthly video log. Um, as, yeah, as I say, about about 20, 20 people have joined and I think I've, I've lost about 13 or so due to this attrition. Um, but yeah, big thank you to everybody who's supporting me on Patreon. And again, not just the new supporters, but everybody who's been with me um, well, since some some of you have been with me since I started. I'm going to put on screen now, this is a list of all of the new supporters who joined in February. If you've joined the Patreon since the end of February, in other words, yesterday, because uh, one person did, I think, uh, your name will appear on next month. Um, so one thing that I did want to talk about, which I forgot to talk about last month, I think at least I think I sort of forgot to talk about it last month, is the charity payments. Now, I'm still surprised the fact that a lot of people don't actually realize this um but every single penny from all of my advertising revenue on all of my videos goes to charity it always has done i know some other content creators did this as a one month thing um i've been doing it forever so for the last ever since i turned advertising on which was about three years ago now i give every bit of advertising revenue every month to charity and the charity for january was the Tabletop Alliance. I'll put something on screen now about it, but this was chosen by Isaac Childress um, because Isaac sponsored me to create the Frosthaven video. I thought the Frosthaven video would generate a lot of views, that would raise a lot of money for charity. So I wanted Isaac to choose which charity would be used. And he chose the Tabletop Alliance, uh, which is something that he's passionate about. They used board games as teaching tools. So yeah, so we've given all of January's money to, to them, or was it December's money? I'm not sure which. Um, and then the next month's money, which I think was January's money, uh, that has gone to various charities. Well, it's gone to one charity in particular, but we're going to send this month to another charity, supporting the disaster that's currently going on in Turkey and Syria following on from the earthquake. So that's that's what I want to use the charity money for, is supporting these, these good causes. Um, now, the reason why I'm able to give that money to charity is, and the reason why I'm talking about it as part of the Patreon, is because of the Patreon. And let's just let's just get this out there and be completely honest. And a lot of you know this already because I've spoken about it a couple of times. But if you're watching this video and you've not watched any of these videos before and you're fairly new to the channel, I'll just explain to you how it works. The support that I get from my Patreon supporters is of a good enough level that I can afford to give all of my advertising revenue to charity. It's as simple as that. Okay, the money that I get every month from patron supporters is this much, and this much is a good amount, and I'm happy with that amount, and that means that I can give this much to charity. If it weren't for the patron supporters, I wouldn't be able to give that to charity because I would need that to you know pay the bills and everything else. Um, and that's it. So a huge thank you. Um, if you are one of my patron supporters, then you are directly contributing to these charity payments, not just by watching my videos and generating the ad revenue, but it's because of your financial support that allows me to give all of the advertising revenue to charity. So yeah, a huge thank you to you for, for, for doing that. Um, what else do you get for becoming a patron? If you want to become a patron supporter, you can. If you become a patron supporter at $3 or higher, you get access to the Slack channel where there's lots of great discussions going on. Uh, a really good community on there. You get access to the, the behind the scenes videos that I've mentioned, the bonus playthrough of Atua, uh, the bonus playthrough of Skytear Horde, 
the hegemony behind the scenes, the June Imperium game with me and Rick. So there's been quite a, oh, that Frostpunk game as well. There's been quite a lot of behind the scenes content over the last six weeks. Um, and you also, if you're a producer level or higher, you get to vote on what's going to be on the channel. So this Friday, uh, we're going to be covering a game which was voted on by patron supporters. And I think Taj Mahal was also voted on by patron supporters as well. Um, so yeah, you do get some influence and in voting on what goes on on the channel. Right, let's talk about other content that's been on the channel in the last five or six weeks. There is a how to play video for Earth. It seems so long ago now, but that's up there. If you want to learn how to play Earth, I have done a full how to play video that's on the channel now also my how to play video for frostpunk went live on the 1st of february so again it seems so long ago now because i was i was working on it in december um but the full how to play video for frostpunk is live on the channel now there is also went live uh, in the last few weeks the tutorial and playthrough videos for vienna and kuzco which are games five and six in the steffenfeld city collection and that Kickstarter is running now. So if you are interested in any of the games from the Steffenfeld City Collection, specifically games five and six, Vienna and Cusco, which are new implementations of La Isla and Bora Bora, then go and check those out. They're on the channel. Uh, and finally, this week, a tutorial and playthrough video went up for An Age Contrived. Now, all of those videos that I've just mentioned were sponsored because they take me a long time to create. But yeah, An Age Contrived is live on Kickstarter right now. And my video will teach you how to play. Again, no marketing hype, no buzzwords, no me trying to persuade you to buy the game. Just me teaching the game to two of the players and then playing it. And you can you can get an idea from that how it plays. Another thing that's been on the channel in the last few weeks is the live Q&A. And the last, last live Q&A that I did was really, really enjoyable. And I just wanted to mention quickly, um, there is a podcast. If you are watching this video right now on YouTube and you don't know about the Gaming Rules podcast, then there is a Gaming Rules podcast. Basically, the podcast is the audio version of this, this monthly video log and the live Q&A. So if you would prefer to listen to them as a podcast rather than watching them on YouTube, you can. Just go to your podcast provider, search for the new Gaming Rules podcast or Gaming Rules new podcast or something like that, and you'll find them on there. Now, I did do a podcast years ago, and you might find that. It's not that one. Uh, it's the Gaming Rules new podcast or the new Gaming Rules podcast, whichever. Um, and every uh, every month there are two podcast episodes, one for the live Q&A and one for this video. In fact, if you're listening to this video on the podcast, sorry, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you already know about it. Right, things that are coming up. So tomorrow, as of me recording this video, but it will already happen by the time this video goes out, I'm going to be playing Brass Lancashire and Heat. Now, Brass Lancashire has been voted on by patron supporters. I am not covering the game because all of the talk at the moment is how Brass Birmingham has taken over the number one spot on Board Game Geek. That's not why I'm covering the game. I'm covering the game because I gave my patron supporters a list of 15 games to vote on, and that's the one that they wanted to see more than any other. So we're going to be doing that tomorrow. Uh, and the reason why that got on the list in the first place is Dan's coming over tomorrow and he wanted to play Brass. I don't think he's played Brass before, but he said he's always wanted to learn how to play. So me, Dan and Nick are going to be playing Brass Lancashire tomorrow in the afternoon. And then in the evening, we're going to be playing Heat, five player game of Heat with some of the extra modules. Because I've played the base game enough now, I want to start throwing in the extra modules. So that's happening tomorrow night, Friday, the 3rd of March. 
Saturday, as I've already mentioned, is the Hegemony playthrough, one o'clock, Saturday the 4th of March. Uh, then over the next few weeks, there will be a how to play video for Hamburg, which I'm hopefully going to finish next week. There will also be a how to play video for Amsterdam, which I'm going to be working on in the next few weeks. There will be solo playthroughs of both Hamburg and Amsterdam coming to the channel. Next Friday, I am hoping to play Marvel Age of Heroes, although it's not arrived yet. And it needs to arrive soon because I need to learn how to play. This is a new game from WizKids, which I helped with the rulebook for. Um, and I really want to see how the final game plays out. Uh, it was really good, the game, but the rulebook was an absolute disaster at the time. So they've basically spent the last few months rewriting the rulebook from scratch because it was that bad. I said, just throw this in the bin and start again from scratch. Uh, but the game was good. We just couldn't understand how to play it from the, from the rulebook um, without a lot of help. So yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. And my comments on the rulebook were the old version, okay, that was not printed. So don't worry, don't worry. I'm not saying the rulebook's bad. The rulebook was bad. It's hopefully been fixed. Also, there's a new game coming from Richard Breeze later this year called The Glade, which I don't know much about, although Richard has said it's based on Rummy Cub. So that sounds interesting. I'm going to be covering that later in the month, probably just before Easter. Um, I think that's it. I think that's everything that's coming to the channel in the next few weeks. Um, other things that I wanted to talk about. Um, COVID and being ill. I'm not ill anymore, but the last time I did a monthly video was the middle of January. And if you remember at the time, I got I got flu. I got I came down with a really bad flu at the start of January. So the last time, I, and I struggled on, and it did impact my work, but I still tried to make videos, and I was coughing a lot. Um, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a really tough time, and then I started to get better, and then it was the what day was it? Twenty sixth of January. That was it. 26th of January, suddenly it all came back. Um, now it wasn't COVID, it was just flu. I did a COVID test and it was clear, so it was just a really bad flu. But on the 26th of January, I was starting to get better. Suddenly it hit me again and I felt absolutely awful um, on the evening of the 26th of January. And then on the 27th of January, people came over and we played Taj Mahal and Atiwa. Now, I should have cancelled. I really should have cancelled because it was selfish of me to have people round my house when I was ill. And it never occurred to me, and I need to learn from this personally, it never occurred to me that I thought, wait a minute, Paul, you're ill. And Vicky said, you should cancel because you're not feeling well, you're not feeling up to it, you should cancel for you. And I'm, I'm like so stubborn, it's scary. And I was like, no, I'm gonna push on, I'm gonna get through this and playing games will make me happy and it'll all be good. What I didn't think about is the impact on the other players. Because hang on a minute, if you're ill and you've potentially got a contagious illness and you're inviting other people around, that was wrong of me. And I feel really bad for doing that. Turns out that I got COVID. So, I, re I was just about recovering from the flu after having that for two and a half weeks, and then I got COVID. And because it felt the same, it, I, it, never, it never occurred to me. It was only on the Saturday 
after the Friday. So people came round and I was really struggling and I was coughing and I really wasn't well. Uh, and people came round and we played games and then people went home. And then on the Saturday, I still felt awful. The Sunday, we were going out for Vicky's birthday. We were going axe throwing in Exeter and then we were going for a nice meal. Uh, and Vicky's family were coming round and Vicky said, oh, maybe you should just do a COVID test just in case. So I thought, sure. Did a COVID test, boom, wine straight away. So yeah, I, I mean, I still don't know how I got it. This is really unusual. Last time I got COVID, I was at a big games convention and everybody got it. This time I'm like, well, I went to the games day at Cranbrook, but nobody there got it. I saw this person, but they've not got it. Well, I went to the gym. Did I get it from the gym? I don't know, really, maybe. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I, I came down with COVID. Um, and unfortunately I gave it to one person who came round that day. Um, the other three were, were safe, they didn't get it, um, but unfortunately Peter did. Um, and then I got over COVID and I still had the annoying cough. So for all of the videos that I've done for the last like five weeks, most of them have got me coughing. In fact, the video that I did for An Age Contrived took me about five hours to edit. I, I thought it was going to take me about an hour, it took me five hours because I was editing out every time that I coughed. Um, but I didn't, I, I felt uncomfortable at doing a sponsored video. Um, anyway, I'm recovered now. I've not got a cough anymore. I've got over COVID and I no longer have the flu. So yay. But yeah, that's been, I don't think I've ever been ill for that long ever before. Uh, and to get flu followed by COVID straight afterwards was just a double whammy. Uh, and then I gave and then I gave COVID to Vicky because it was her birthday. So you know, I mean, you know. And so the last thing to mention is, somebody asked me on the Frostpunk Facebook group to put some more pictures uh, up of the miniatures that I've been painting recently. So I'm gradually going through and painting my um, miniatures from Frostpunk, and I had a spurt where I painted lots of them, probably when I was ill. Then I had a bit of a break, uh, and now I'm going back to them and painting them a bit more, and I'm using. Uh, the Vallejo snow effect. So yeah, putting pictures on screen, you can see the snow effect on these. Um, and basically the process is that I sort of undercoat them first, then I do all of the base colors, then I do a wash, which is a mixture of Agrax Earthshade and Null Null, sort of a, a dark brown and black mixture of wash. Then I dry brush with a white, and then I put the snow effect on. And that's it. And they're uh, taking a few hours each, but I I'm really happy with these. I'm really happy with how, how these are looking. Um, I've still got a lot to do. So <laughs> yeah, it's still gonna take me quite a while, but the Formula One season starts this weekend, which means lots of time in front of TV where I don't actually have to be paying attention to the TV. It's perfect for painting. So my my aim is to have all of the Frostpunk miniatures painted over the, over the Formula One pit. I'll probably get them done before that, he says. Don't set yourself unrealistic goals, Paul. Um, but yeah, done done that. Um, other than that, I think that's that's everything. With any luck, I might actually get this edited this afternoon and tomorrow morning before the game of brass. We'll see. Um, a huge thank you again to all of my Patreon supporters uh, for funding the channel, making these videos possible. And again, if you've watched this video, you've helped raise a little bit of money for charity, uh, which is, all going to a good cause. And I'm only able to do that thanks to the Patreon support. So if you do want to support me on Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. Until next time, take care and thanks for watching. Bye-byes.